You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Nolan is standing by. Hey, Wacky Bruce. Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome. To another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. You know, sometimes you do a pod once a week and you kind of wonder in the off season, in the middle of May, end of June, this stretch, if anything exciting is going to happen. And then the Buffalo Bills have a week like they've had. Since the last time we talked and you think to yourself, am I going to be able to fit all this into an episode? So we're going to do our best and we're going to dive right into it. The newsiest item, in my opinion, anyway, is the Buffalo Bills signed Ed Oliver to a four year, $68 million extension. It includes $45 million guaranteed. And essentially it becomes a two year and let's see contract because as you know from having discussions about contracts on the show before most NFL deals are one year and let's see two years and let's see three years and let's see how long are they actually committed to this player in this case it's essentially two years and let's see and I have some thoughts on the Ed Oliver extension What I tweeted out at the time was that I was legitimately surprised that it occurred and that if Ed Oliver becomes an elite defensive tackle, this is an absolute steal, but there's no guarantee of that happening. My exact words were, I have some concerns and that that is probably the best possible way that I can explain this. I have some concerns. I'm not down on it. I'm not overjoyed by it. I have some concerns. And I think whether or not you have some concerns is primarily based on your threshold of acceptability when it comes to extensions. How good does a player need to be for you to say that player is extension worthy? Because there's no question that this is not elite defensive tackle money. It's 13th. 17th, 16th, depending on what metric you'd like to use as far as defensive tackles. It is not elite defensive tackle money, which is the reason why I said if he becomes an elite defensive tackle, it's a steal because this is not elite defensive tackle money. But it's not an elite defensive tackle player either. 
So how significant does the player have to be? How important do they need to be before you say, you know what, I can find a player like that in the draft? One of the Bruceisms that I've historically talked about when it comes to team building philosophy personally is that I don't want to re-sign okay players at all, ever, to anything that's not veteran minimum because it's so easy to find okay players. Obviously, if they're bad players, you don't want to re-sign them. Nobody's really a bad player in the NFL, but relative to their peers, if they're ineffective. But I don't want to re-sign okay players at all unless it's vet minimum. Now, Ed Oliver's not an okay player. Ed Oliver has proven to be a starting three-tech defensive tackle in this league. But he's not a star. But he's not being paid like a star. So it creates this very strange scenario where your acceptability of the contract is primarily based on your acceptability of the threshold as to what constitutes a resignable player. I'm not thrilled. I'm not mad. I have concerns. I have reservations. You're looking at his career in totality versus other first round defensive tackles. It looks okay. But what about the trajectory? Is the arrow pointing up on Ed Oliver? Do we think we will get surplus value from Ed Oliver after he signs this contract? How many off seasons have we said that this was the one where the breakout year was coming for Ed Oliver? How many times has that happened? You're talking about a player who, by all accounts, has not broken out yet. You signed a player to a meaningful extension, even if it's not elite money, a meaningful extension, hoping for a breakout, banking on a breakout based on information you don't have significant sample size of. We've seen flashes of greatness from Ed Oliver. He's taken over a few games. He's also been hampered by injuries, which is one of the reasons why we should kind of talk about this. Christian Wilkins had 98 tackles as a defensive tackle in 2022. That number is absurd. Jeffrey Simmons has more sacks over his last two years than Oliver does over his entire career, unless we forget. Simmons only started seven games his rookie year and wasn't at full strength after ACL surgery until year two. Dexter Lawrence and Vita Vea play notably different roles in their defense and still have similar pass rushing metrics as Ed Oliver. Vea also has notably fewer snaps than Oliver. Doesn't play nearly as much. Now, this is important. Remember a pod I did during the season in 2022 when I said nothing hampers a breakout possibility like a nagging injury. And I was talking about Dawson Knox and I was talking about Ed Oliver. This is not me making excuses for Ed Oliver. This is providing context to the reason why a team would sign a player to a meaningful extension with the player having admittedly not broken out yet because there are factors at play. Oliver had a high ankle sprain week one. I don't know if you've ever had a high ankle sprain before. It lingers. There was meaningful research done by Matthew Betts, who's a physical therapist who works with the fantasy football community on effectiveness of players after they come back from high ankle sprains. Now, he's using 
offensive skill position players because that's what relevant to fantasy football players. But if there is an efficacy issue, which there is, it's not just a workload issue. There is an efficacy issue for players like that when they come back from injury, then it would stand to reason that there would be an efficacy issue for other players whose contributions are not quite as easily measurable by statistics like, I don't know, linemen, for example. Again, not an excuse, a factor. Because I have concerns. I know why the Buffalo Bills did this. They think, based on the flashes they've seen, that Ed Oliver's breakout has been interrupted by other factors. But the fact of the matter is you still gave a meaningful contract to someone you have never seen do it and put it all together for an entire year of high-level play. Not once. There's always been something that was going on. Oh, well, you know, we need him to play a little bit more one-tech because we don't really have a good one-tech. And then we finally get one in Daquan Jones. And then Ed Oliver has a high ankle sprain. Looked really, really good in the Rams game up until then. But again, it's always a factor with Ed Oliver. It's always something that gets in the way of the breakout. So if you're the team, you think to yourself, maybe maybe I can get this for below market rate. We talk about regression to the mean a lot. We don't talk about progression to the mean nearly as much as we should. And if the Bills are counting on progression to the mean when it comes to Ed Oliver, they're going to think, man, this deal is going to look like a steal in a little bit. But we don't necessarily know that's going to happen. It's like taking a line graph and taking a very small chunk of it and extrapolating and drawing it all the way out and going, well, this is what it's going to look like. Well, yeah, there's danger in extrapolation. There's meaningful danger in extrapolation. I understand why the Buffalo Bills did it. Ed Oliver is a starting caliber, three technique defensive tackle in this league. How you feel about this deal is going to be based on two things. Number one, what is your threshold of acceptability when it comes to re-signing a player? Do you want to re-sign literally every player, even if they're just okay? Because you can find okay players in the draft for markedly cheaper than an okay player that you re-sign. What is your threshold of acceptability? Do you only want to re-sign really good to star players who have proven it? If, in this case, you're not going to be comfortable with the Ed Oliver extension. The second thing is, where do you think Ed Oliver was going before he got interrupted? You've heard girl interrupted. This is Ed interrupted. He was interrupted. There was always something. There was always a factor that kept it from coming together. How comfortable are you that if you isolate the variable and things work out okay, that he'll break out? And you might say to yourself, oh my gosh, why does he need everything to be perfect? Not perfect. Having a decent defensive tackle next to you and not being hurt is a reasonable expectation. Well, everything has to be perfect around Ed Oliver. I don't think that's asking for perfect. I think that's just asking for not terrible. I have a guy next to me who can command double teams because that's never been what you expected Ed Oliver to do. Because he takes a lot of double teams. And don't get hurt. Those two things isn't asking for too much. I have concerns about this because you're extrapolating. But I understand why you're extrapolating. So I'm not mad about the Ed Oliver contract. I'm not thrilled. I get it. It comes with appropriate risk, 
but that risk comes with appropriate upside because the risk is baked in to the contract. You didn't pay Ed Oliver like a top five defensive tackle. You didn't pay him like he was Jeffrey Simmons. You didn't pay him like what you think Quinn and Williams is going to get. You paid him like a good defensive tackle. If you get better than that, that's surplus value. That's awesome. But there are risks associated with it. Stick with me. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. We talked about the Ed Oliver extension. Now we're going to talk about Leonard Floyd. I absolutely love the Leonard Floyd signing. I cannot tell you how much I love the Leonard Floyd signing. It's going to be way less interesting of a discussion because it's just going to be me gushing over how much I love the Leonard Floyd signing. It fills two needs for the Buffalo Bills. Number one, do you have a second pass rusher while Von Miller is getting up and running? Number two, do you have a third pass rusher once Von Miller is up and running? Those are still meaningful questions because you can't count on A.J. Epinesa or Boogie Basham. You can hope, but hope isn't a plan. Planning is understanding point A to point B. It's going to go like this. It's going to go like this. Then it's going to go like this. It's going to get point A to point B. That is not the same as preparation. Planning and preparation are not the same terms. Do not use them interchangeably. Planning is drawing a line from point A to point B. Preparation is acknowledgement that along that line, there are many different places where the path can diverge, where it can go against your plan. Do you have preparations in place for that? That's the difference between planning and preparation. And this is a preparation move. A plan would be, okay, Von Miller is going to be back for week one. Everything's going to be great. This is the plan. Preparation is, okay, what if he's not back for week one? 
What if he's not the same guy for a little bit? What if Gregory Rousseau doesn't become that number one pass rusher that you want? He's still a good player, but he doesn't become that elite, high-level pass rusher that you wish he would. That's preparation. Leonard Floyd came into the league as a bendy guy who had a lot to learn. Coming out of Georgia, everybody knew what kind of bend he had. He has since developed technique, developed power moves, all the things that you think will help a pass rusher age well. Pass rushers with good technique age extremely well. The fact he's 30 doesn't bother me for that reason. If he's a one-trick pony and he's 30 and that one trick is speed, then I get a little bit nervous because if you start to lose a step, you don't have a counterpunch. It's like baseball. You have a pitcher, he throws one pitch. That one pitch is awesome. You got to be able to throw multiple pitches. And if you're a speed rusher, if you're a bendy guy, you need an inside move, you need a long arm, you need things that you can counter off the speed rush. You need things that can counter off the bend. Leonard Floyd has developed that during his time in Los Angeles. He would have been the best pass rusher on this team multiple years in the past. And now he signs in June. Absolute W for this pass rush, for this defense, fills two meaningful holes. Big fan. Camlin Dantzler was somebody I talked about earlier this year because I was asked on a different podcast. I was asked by Fernando of Buffalo Rumblings, who does lead the charge, if I could sign a corner and convert him to safety, who would it be? in the free agent class. And I said, well, I, I would probably talk about Cameron Dantzler. He's always been a better fit in his own scheme. He doesn't run really well, but he's long. He was the third round pick. His tape was really great in the SEC, but he just doesn't run that well. Does that sound like any other corner that Sean McDermott can make work? I'm not saying he's going to make the team. I'm saying if you're going to take a chance on a corner, this is the kind of corner I would take a chance on in June. So I'm for the Cameron Dantzler signing. I suggested it before the Buffalo Bills signed Taylor Rapp as potentially a backup safety. See if he can make the conversion. I don't think it's going to happen at this point. But having corner depth, I'm never going to complain about. I would like to point out three more things. We're going to try and get through them as fast as possible. Number one, I would like to point out the difference in Brandon Bean contract structure between now and when he first came on board. Look at the Cole Beasley contract and the John Brown contract, and the contracts when he first got here, they were designed to take as much of the cap hit as humanly possible in the first year. Usually that was first-year roster bonuses. He wanted to keep the cap hits down in later years. He wanted to take all of the, the hit right up front, not just to help the Buffalo Bills hit the salary floor, but also because he, he knew that there wasn't going to be a lot of Leonard Floyd's. You're developing young talent. You're not really putting the final pieces on what you believe to be a championship caliber team. Nowadays, Brandon Bean is doing the exact opposite thing. He's using multiple void years on contracts like Leonard Floyd's to be able to spread the cap hit down, take it less in the first year, at Oliver extension less in the first year because he's trying to kick it down the road because now you're trying to fit as much as you possibly can in. Not a one-size-fits-all. But it's interesting because you can tell from the contract structure 
the way that Brandon Bean feels about the team. With the Cole Beasley contract, it's, you know, let's go ahead and take all that roster bonus right now. Let's take that cap hit in the first year. With Leonard Floyd, it's let's push it off. Let's push it off. I don't want to hear a peep about Brandon Bean not going all in. The contract structures will show you he is going all in. He's trying his best to make things fit right now to win a championship for this franchise. So if the Bills don't sign DeAndre Hopkins, we're going to get to that in a minute. I don't want to hear Brandon Bean didn't go all in. Look at the contracts. Look at the way they're structured now versus the way they were structured before. He's going as all in as he reasonably can with not destroying everything. Quick note, Josh Allen, cover of Madden. It's cool. I don't play Madden, but it's pretty cool. He absolutely deserves it. He's a superstar. Great quarterback. People want to play as him. He's a fun video game character. There are people who play Madden who are not necessarily huge NFL people, and they're going to want to play as Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. I think there will be Bills fans that will be created due to this. And I say, you know what? More the merrier. Come on board. Let's go. It's a cool thing. That's about it. That's all I got to say. But speaking of DeAndre Hopkins, because we talked about the possibility of the Bills not adding DeAndre Hopkins, I have a statement to make, and I'm going to prove it. With or without DeAndre Hopkins, the Buffalo Bills offense is better on paper than it was at this time in 2022. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through the offensive rooms, and we are going to lay out the way the room is now versus the way the room was before. And we're going to prove it. Quarterback. Last year, Josh Allen, Case Keenum, Matt Barkley. This year, Josh Allen, Kyle Allen, Matt Barkley. Maybe a little bit of a downgrade. Case Keenum has proven a lot more in the NFL than Kyle Allen has. So let's just somewhat of a downgrade there. Running back. 2023. James Cook, Damian Harris, Latavius Murray, Naheem Hines, Jordan Mims, Isaiah Bowser. At the time of this writing, Isaiah Bowser has since been cut. Running back in 2022, Singletary, Cook, Duke Johnson, Zach Moss, Taiwan Joan, Raheem Blackshear. That's an upgrade for me. I think Singletary, Johnson, and Moss are beneath Harris, Murray, and Hines. Now, I know that Taiwan Jones holds value as a gunner on special teams, but he got replaced by Trent Sherfield. So he got replaced, but not in the same position room. That's an upgrade. Wide receiver in 2023. Diggs, Davis, Hardy, Sherfield, Shakir, Shorter, Coulter, Desmond Patton, Keyshawn Johnson, Tyrell Shavers, Marcel Aitman, Brian Thompson, Jalen Wayne. Wide receiver at this time, 2022. Diggs, Davis, Crowder, Kumaro, Shakir, McKenzie, Gentry, Hodgins, Stevenson, Neil Powell, Malik Williams. Push. That's pretty close. I know Crowder's injury stopped him from being a meaningful player in the slot. And Isaiah Hodgins ended up being a playable and dependable receiver for the Giants after his release from the Bills. But we don't get to use that hindsight in paper for the exercise. Because we don't get to say, well, we know how it turned out with Crowder. On paper at that time, how do we feel about it? On paper at this time, how do we feel about it? I think Deontay Hardy is a better receiver than McKenzie was. But Hodgins is a player I liked as a day three prospect more than I like Justin Shorter. So we can't project out Khalil Shakir and say, well, he's going to have a much bigger role. Therefore, no, 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 no. 
What is he right now versus what was it in a vacuum at that time? This is too close to call for me. I'm calling it a push. Tight end in 2023. Knox, Kincaid, Morris, Davidson, Joe Wilson. Tight end in 2022. Knox, Howard, Sweeney, Morris, Weidermeyer. I mean, come on. That's a meaningful upgrade. Swapping Dalton Kincaid for OJ Howard. Yeah, that's a meaningful upgrade. Let's go offensive line. Deion Dawkins, Connor McGovern, Mitch Morse, Ryan Bates, Spencer Brown. Tommy Doyle, David Edwards, Greg Mance, Osiris Torrance, David Questenberry, Ryan Vandemark, Nick Broker, Ike Butker, Brandon Shell, Richard Gorej, Kevin Jarvis, Alec Anderson. That's 2023. 2022 at this time. Dawkins, Saffold, Morse, Bates, Brown. Questenberry, Butker, Manns, Cody Ford, Tommy Doyle, Luke Tenuta, Jacob Capra, Bobby Hart, Tanner Owen, Alec Anderson, Will Ulmer, Derek Kerstetter. Folks, that's a meaningful upgrade. The tackles might be very similar with only Shell really being a potential 23 addition. But the interior of the offensive line, McGovern, Edwards, and Torrance, all of whom have been or project to be starting guards. Having those three replacing Saffold and Ford. Now, we thought Saffold would be better than he was. That's important. But nobody was under any delusions that Cody Ford was a caliber starting player at this point last year at guard. When Brandon Bean ended up trading with the Cardinals and getting picks back, we were all like, yes, hey, you know what? Good. We knew he wasn't. So we went from three players who are or project to be starters in place of one player we hoped would be an upgrade, but turned out not to be. Even if you had the most rose-colored glasses on for Roger Saffold this time last year, this is still an upgrade, and it's a big one. So you got upgrade on the offensive line, upgrade at tight end, push your wide receiver, upgrade at running back, slight downgrade at quarterback. That's still upgrade overall on paper for this offense with or without the Andre Hopkins. The talent on paper is better at this time this year than it was at this time last year. I'm not going to complain about adding DeAndre Hopkins. It's recently been announced that he's going to take his first visit to the Tennessee Titans. I think they're a great fit for him. I think they desperately need wide receiver help for that team. I think he's a good fit in that offense or what we think the offense is going to be under new coordinator Tim Kelly. But for me, I'm not saying the Buffalo Bills don't need DeAndre Hopkins. I'm not going to turn down DeAndre Hopkins. But I don't want us to get in a spot where, number one, we think if they don't get him, Brandon Bean's not going all in because I already established, look at the contracts. He totally is. And number two, that the offense isn't better this year than it was last year. It is on paper. Now, that paper still has to execute. We all know that. We sometimes don't see the trajectory. We just see the point. And we compare our data points to Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets and the Dolphins getting Vic Fangio and things like that. But if you just compare Bills to Bills, it's better. It absolutely is. I don't think it's a question. I don't think, I don't think it's even debatable. And if you do, and you think, oh, Bruce is full of garbage. Well, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumpers.
Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta.